this particular series of lessons uh, started in uh, at the Horizons Leadership Camp that um, many of our young people went to. Um, I, I I learned there, and I've I, I don't know if you've noticed it or not since I got back that I've been praying before each sermon. Again, it, it's not to uh, say that the first prayer that we had was the opening prayer that we had was was wrong or anything like that. I just feel like starting the sermon with a prayer and praying for those uh, humble, uh, honest hearts to come forward uh, is, is good. Prayer, more prayer is always good. Uh, and so that's where I, I, I saw some speakers do that and I thought, you know, I, I need to do that. I need to pray more. And I, I need to pray more from the pulpit. Uh, we all need to pray, for, pray more. And, and I hope that those who, who do have an honest, soft heart tonight understand that that everyone here wants them to be- become a Christian, if, if that's what you need to be, if you've never become a Christian before. Uh, and those who are Christians, if your life is not right, that before you leave here tonight, that you'll, you'll, get, your life, you'll get your life right. But this series of sermons, again, uh, the, the, the idea came from the Horizons classes. I taught at Horizons this year the heart of, I mean, excuse me, the, the hands of a leader, and, uh, but there were also other classes on the head, the heart, and the habits of a leader. And so I decided to use uh, this particular uh, way of, of, uh, of a Bible study to uh, present a, a series of sermons for us. We've already looked at Jesus and the hands of a leader. Last week, we looked at Jesus and the head of a leader. And tonight, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6... Uh, you'll need your Bibles tonight. We're going to look at Jesus and the heart of a leader. I am not... Uh, I have no knowledge, really, of the human heart other than what I learned in biology class in in college, I think that was the last biology class I had. And I know that it has four valves inside of it, and these four valves have four different veins or aortas or something like that, and they all hook up together, and the, the blood pumps through the heart, and it's the organ that pumps the blood throughout the body. Uh, I know that if there are people out there that are much smarter than this than me that are kind of laughing inside going, Chad, please just stop talking. But, uh, hey, you know, uh, I understand that hearts... Pump the blood. And I understand that there are four valves inside that heart. And that if, if one of those valves or one of those veins or one of those arteries, if it's not working, if the valve's not open and right, or, or uh, there's problems. There's some problems. If, if one of those chambers isn't, isn't letting the blo- blood flow through it, or if there's one of the veins that's close to the heart and it's got a clogged artery or a clogged vein that there may be need a stent to be put in or a bypass to go around it. I, I understand that. My dad had six bypasses uh, in, in 2002. So I understand uh, that part. I shook the hand of the doctor that held my father's hand, held my father's heart in his hands. And that's amazing to me. I'm so glad there are People that are smarter than me that know how to do that, you know, and know how to take those little minuscule tubes and, and hook them up the right way so that, so that people can live a, a little bit longer. But there are heart problems. People, even in this audience, may have 
some type of a, of a heart problem. And I'm not speaking about your physical heart, okay? I'm speaking spiritually now. There may be some people in this audience that have a, have a heart problem. And I want to try to help you diagnose that tonight by looking at Jesus as the leader and how he had the heart of a leader. And if we can have the heart of a leader, we'll be more like our Savior. We'll be better leaders in our, in our congregations. We'll be better, better leaders in our homes. We'll be better leaders in, a, in our schools. We'll be better leaders in our jobs. I'm going to show you tonight when we diagnose a problem in the passage that we're going to read. The, the apostles have a heart problem. And we're going to use their problem to uh, and diagnose that problem so that maybe we can look inside of ourselves. And if we have a heart problem, we can diagnose ourselves. Uh, sometimes the best physician is, is yourself. So uh, Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 34, and Jesus when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. This verse shows that Jesus had the heart of, of a leader. How did we get to this verse, though? How do we get to this particular verse? I want to look at the context surrounding Mark chapter 6, verse 34. You'll have to turn a few pages back few pages back with me, you know, back in Mark chapter 1, Mark hits the ground running. He doesn't start out with the birth of Christ. He doesn't start out with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He starts out with miracles and Jesus bitten disciples and he, he's moving. Jesus is, Jesus is moving in Mark's gospel. He's really, he's really in Mark's account uh, running, hitting, hitting the ground running. And in chapter 5 of, of Mark, Jesus heals a, a possessed man that's, that's in the tombs. And uh, he restores the life of a, of a little girl. And when, and when a woman touches the hem of Jesus' garment in Mark chapter 5, uh, she's healed just by touching the hem of his garment. And Jesus goes home to Nazareth. He goes to his own hometown of Nazareth where he grew up. We talked about it this morning in class that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth after his, after his father Joseph uh, when he had heard uh, when he'd heard in a dream that it was okay to go back to, to Israel, he, he took his son and they, they resided in Nazareth. And he, he went home again. And, you know, a lot of you uh, have, were born here and raised here, really never moved from here. But for those of us who've moved away from home, to, to go home again sometimes is nice to see old friends, to see old faces. But for Jesus it wasn't. On this particular day, on this particular day, when Jesus went home, he was rejected. Then we read in in uh, Mark uh, chapter six that after he's rejected uh, by those in Nazareth, that he sends out the twelve. He sends them out two by two, and they're going out to preach. Is what they're going out to do. Look at Mark chapter six and, and verse twelve. So they went out and preached that the people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the, the disciples are out there in, in a limited type commission, in a limited way, going out and they're, they're preaching that, that the people need to repent and they're healing folks. And they're, they're out together. That, you know, they're, they're out there two by two. Jesus has sent them out. And then there's a brief 
episode in here in Mark where Mark tells the story of John the baptizer and how John the baptizer uh, is killed. He's, he's beheaded uh, and uh, how that happens. The Bible tells us that, that uh, John the baptizer, he, he, he died and then we read of the apostles coming home. We read of the apostles coming home in verse 30. You know, my little girls, uh, they've started what's called a J-Day. J-Day, you know, y'all don't know what a J-Day is. When, you, when I tell you what a J-Day is, y'all will want to have a J-Day, okay? Of course, my mama's name is Judy and my daddy's name is Johnny, okay? Well, they're called Mama J and, and Papa J, all right? Well, the little girls, they started what's called a J-Day, where it's just Mama J and them, and they go have Manny Petties, and they go shopping, and they go to the movies, and they go have lunch, and they go have dinner, and they go everywhere together, just one child and Mama J. It's their J day. How many of y'all want a J? I want a J day. I want to go shopping and get a Manny Petty. I don't even know what that is, but I want one. <laughs> Sounds fun to me. Hey, those little girls are so excited when they have their J day. These disciples, they were excited. If you, if you look at verse 30, they, they were pumped up. You know, Matt and I, we got to talk to some folks that yesterday, didn't we? And when we got out, first thing we did was bump knuckles because it was exciting, wasn't it? It was exciting. Uh, Doug came in this morning talking about a Bible study that he had had with his across-the-street neighbor. And it was exciting. He was, he was excited to tell about what was happening. You know, even though... We didn't, do any, we didn't make any progress yesterday, did we? Doug didn't make any progress yesterday either, but it was still so exciting to stand firm in the faith and tell somebody about the gospel. It really was. Look at, the, look at the apostles in verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. You know they were excited because they had healed people. I mean, people had been healed by their hands. They had taught people what Jesus wanted them to say. How excited they, they must have been. And Jesus tells them, he shows them that, hey, we need to go rest. You guys have been working hard. You need to go rest. But then we see here in just a few verses later, there's no rest for the weary. No rest for the weary, is there? And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude. It was moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus here shows us the heart of of a leader. Remember our B? Remember our B? I hope you have a handout. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand if you don't have one of the handouts. And uh, one's on the front, on the front uh, right, row right here. And is there nobody? Nobody needs one. I think I got everybody. Thanks. Um, Jesus here shows us that we need to be a leader. And if you remember these last few lessons, we've been talking about being a leader. Being a leader. Okay? And we've used a B to, to, to kind of go along with that. And so I've got a new little B right here. And he's got a, he's got a heart in his hands. And I, I, want you to re, I want you to remember our B. And I want you to remember the heart here, okay? I want you to remember the heart that this B is holding. I, I've, going, I've gone ahead and labeled these for you. But what I want you to do is out into the boxes that these... That these uh, that these arrows point to. We're going to look at some scriptures. I hope you have your Bibles tonight because I didn't put these scriptures on the, on the screen. I've got them listed here for you to write down, but we're going to turn to these scriptures. I want you to see them. I want you to see how to be 
a leader. I want you to see how you can have the heart of a leader. And we're going to see how Jesus had the heart of a leader. Uh, Jesus says this heart, and we're going to see his words and the words in the Bible as well, that in the heart, that's where the intellect is. That's where the intellect is. It's also where the emotions that we need to be a leader are. The intellect and the emotions and the will, the will that we need to be a leader, the, the, the moxie, the, the, the go-to, uh, the will that we need to be a leader, and the conscience that we need to be a leader, they all reside, they all reside in the heart. The Bible tells us that with the heart, the heart, that's where it figuratively is, that's where man's intellect is located. Man's intellect is located in the heart. With, with a heart, a man thinks. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Keep your finger here in Mark 6. That's where we're going back to, but we're going to be going around a lot here. I'm going to keep my finger in, 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 uh, in, in Mark chapter 6. But going to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4. It says, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you think evil in your hearts? That's where your thoughts come from. It comes from your heart. Figuratively, not, not your, the actual organ that has four, four, uh, you know, four chambers and pumps blood everywhere. We're talking about the, the heart itself, the heart of a man. That's where your thoughts come from. With the heart of man reasons. Look over, just pack a few pages to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. With the heart of man reasons. Mark chapter 2 and verse 8. It says there, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he says, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? So we understand that the reason of man, his, his intellect, he thinks in his heart. He reasons in his heart. Also, turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. In the heart, that's where a man understands. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. So we see here that the, that the heart thinks. It's, it's intelligent. The heart reasons. The heart understands. And the heart believes. With the heart, that's, that's where belief comes from. With man's intellect, it contains the intellect. It contains his belief. Look over at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 Beginning with verse, uh, we'll look at verse 8. I think I've got 9 there, but look at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we understand that the heart thinks, it, it reasons, it understands, it believes. That's where the intellect of man resides. But also the emotions of man. You know, man was made in, in God's image. And God so loved the world that he gave his only, forgot, only begotten son. Because we are made in the image of God, we too love. We too are, are beings who, who love. 
with our emotions we love. Look over at Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. With the heart, with the emotions of the heart, man loves. Jesus said to him, the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That means all of, our, all of ourselves. That's how we're supposed to love. That's the emotion that we're supposed to give our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and God Almighty. With the heart one desires. Look over back over at Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Romans 10 and verse 1. It says... It says here that the heart desires, in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, prayer to God for Israel, is that they may be saved. Don't you, in your heart, desire that, I mean, we prayed the prayer together. Didn't we desire that someone here who's, who's lost, that they would be saved? Don't you desire that? Don't you, don't you want that to happen? Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you desire Heaven, well, it starts in the heart. That's where it starts. A leader will have this kind of desire and this kind of love. The the heart also trusts. Look over at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3. In verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That trust is an emotion. It's a belief. It's a faith. It's an emotion. And you have got, we have got to be leaders and trust our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've got to. We've got to trust God in everything, in everything that we do. Man's will also comes from the heart. Man's will also comes from the heart. And with the heart, man intends. Uh, let me explain. Turn over to he- Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. <clears throat> it says here, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What did you intend to do when you woke up today? What did you intend to do when you ate that big meal today and took a big nap today and and did you intend to come back tonight? It's your will that gets you up out of the recliner and turns the TV off and, and comes here. It's your will that, that you come here and you worship God. You, you sing the songs. You, you pray with the one that prays. You listen to the sermon. You, you worship God. You intend to do that. It is, it's your will. Nobody's forcing us, you know? Nobody forces us to, to, to worship. It, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that your will, that you intend to do that. But also, hey... Sometimes our best thinking gets us in the worst situations too, doesn't it? A lot of times because in our heart we intend to do bad. We want to do that evil thing. People usually do what they want to do. And and so we intend to do evil. And we have to suffer the consequences that follow that evil. So, but also with the heart, the will, it also purposes. 
the will purposes as well. Uh, look over, there's the old saying, uh, in, uh, the old saying that people usually do what they want to do. And that's certainly true in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. Uh, Barnabas and Saul, they are at Antioch. And it says, when he came, he had seen the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue in the Lord. People usually do what they want to do. And if, if we want to continue in the Lord, that's our will. That's, it comes from the heart. If we intend, if we purpose in our heart to carry on being a Christian and living the Christian life, that's what we'll do. But if we don't want to, we won't do it. I mean, it's, I, mean I know I'm sound, it sounds like I'm talking in circles, but it's a really simple idea, isn't it? And that comes from our heart. It comes from the same place our intellect comes from. It comes from, come from the same place that our emotions come from. Our will, our want to. We've got to want to be a Christian. And also the heart obeys. It also obeys. Look over at the, the heart will obey. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse, uh, let's see, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. You know, you'll obey or you'll not obey. You'll obey or not obey. Let me say it this way. I'm using the contraction there. You'll, okay, let me say it this, this way. You will. That's your will. You will obey or you will not obey. That comes from the heart. You'll be deceived. I always hate reading that verse right there because it talks about the belly, and I've got a belly. I don't like reading that verse, but, you know, <laughs> but I, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. You will obey or you will not obey. That comes from the heart. The heart is also the seat of, of, of our conscience. Man's heart. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 37, when, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2 verse 37, the, the, the men, it says, were pricked in their hearts. And they, to, to the point that they said, what do we do? Men and brethren, what do we do? Your heart can be pricked. It can also be cut. Acts chapter 5 verse 33, the disciples are in front of the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin is so angry that it says that their hearts are cut. They're so angry at the disciples. And the disciples said, we've got to do what God wants us to do. It doesn't matter what man wants us to do. We've got to do what God wants us to do. Turn over to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. That's where the heart condemns or, or it approves. 1 John 3, beginning with verse 21. Beginning with verse 20. 
And I want to step back to verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Notice, the heart can condemn us or not condemn us. It's where our conscience is. You know, sometimes we do things, we say things, we act a certain way, and later we go, man, I shouldn't have said that. You know, have you ever said something and you wish you could pull it back in? You can't do it. It's already out there. But you wish you could because that conscience is is pricking your heart. It's cutting your heart. It's condemning you. That's where that is. It's where it's found. So in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, think about the intellect. Think about the will. Think about the emotions. Think about the conscience. That's all contained within the heart right here. I want you to see Jesus in in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Because in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, we see all of these heart chambers at work. We're going to see the heart of a leader at work. All of these chambers are firing at full speed. Look here. Mark chapter 6 verse 34 and it says and Jesus when he came out saw a great multitude. That, that's his conscience. He saw them. You know, have you ever seen somebody and they're well I did it yesterday. I was driving well no, day before yesterday I was driving through Nashville and there's all those guys selling those newspapers. You know and they've got the little card around their neck and they're selling them on the side of the road and hey I put the blinders on. I didn't even see them. They weren't in my as I look back on it they weren't, in, they weren't on my mind. Where I was going was on my mind. Not them. Jesus saw this multitude. He saw them. His conscience got to him. He saw them. Notice, and he was moved with compassion. Jesus had the, the emotion of compassion. He loved these people. He loved these people enough to want to do something for them. And then notice, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd, his intelligence, his intellect looked at them and he said, he said, They need help. These people need help. And I'm the only one that's going to be able to help them. Have you ever had that emotion? Have you ever had that conscience? Has your your heart ever pricked you to where you, you said, I may be the only one. But these people will ever know about Jesus Christ. I may be the only one. Jesus saw that. He saw that they needed a shepherd. And he was the man to fit the bill. So... Notice, his will, he began to teach them his will. And his will is the Father's will. The conscience, the emotion, the intellect. Jesus sees the people. He has compassion on the people. He recognizes the people. He teaches the people. He uses his conscience. He uses his emotion. He uses his intellect. He uses his will. He uses his heart. That's the heart of a leader. That's the heart we need to have. When we see the people, are we moved with compassion? Do we have the reason, do we have the mental capability to know that we can help? 
We have the answer. We have the truth in our hands. Will we give it to them? Will we do it? If a leader's heart is right, well, then then one will want to be a leader. One will want to be a leader. Remember, we've been talking about benevolence and edification and evangelism. A leader will be a leader. They'll be about the the work of benevolence. They'll be about the work of edification. They'll be about the work of, of evangelism. That's what leaders do. And a leader's heart will be all in it. A leader's heart will be all in it. If, leaders, if a leader's heart will write, if, if a leader's heart is right, then they'll want to reach out to people. They'll want to be benevolent. They, they really will. You know, if, if, if you're benevolent, you use your intelligence. You use that part of your heart that, that uses intelligence. You understand that people need help. You also understand that emotion of love. If you're a benevolent leader, you understand that with your heart, that emotion of love, you love people. You love them enough that you want them to be helped. And you want to be a part of that. If you're a benevolent leader, then you know that that your conscience condemns or approves you. It will condemn or approve you. And if you don't help, James says that's a sin. If you know to do good and you don't do it, that's a sin. And you condemn yourself. But you also approve your, you know when it's right. You know when helping someone is right. And also your will, it purposes. Your will, it purposes. In, in, in benevolence, you've got to want to do it. it it's, it's not just something that just happens upon you. You have got to be ready and you have got to want to be benevolent. You've got to want to do good for other people. Also, though, the heart of a leader will be about edification. If you're a leader, you will edify. You will build others up. The heart of a leader will want to build others up. And with your intellect, with the intellect part of your heart, you'll believe that if you build others up, that you're doing good for the church. You're doing good for yourself. You're doing good for others. You believe that because the Bible says so. A leader will desire that emotion. He'll have that emotion of desire that you'll want to build others up. You know that it's good for the church. You know that edifying in each other and not tearing each other down, but doing good for each other and helping each other and saying nice things to each other and not gossiping and not, not backbiting and, and, and loving each other. You know that's good. And you'll desire that. And you'll provoke the conscience. Your conscience will be provoked and you'll try to provoke others to do good too. If you're a leader. And you'll also use your will. Your will will intend. You'll make it a point that when you walk in here, you're building people up, not tearing people down. And also when you leave this place, you're not about the business of tearing your brothers and sisters down, but you're about the business of building them up. That's what leaders do. Leaders edify. They intend to do so. It starts out in their heart so that later on, when they have the opportunity, they'll do it. You see, that starts here. That starts here. That doesn't start here on the pew. That starts here in the heart. When you leave here, you'll intend to be a leader. Not just, it just it couldn't come in osmosis. <laughs> you'll want to. The heart of a leader will be about the work of evangelism. 
a leader, a leader in the church, a leader in your work, a leader in your school, a leader in your family, you will not be able to help telling folks about Jesus Christ. I mean, it'll just ooze out of you. You can't help but tell it. You've got to tell them the truth. You've got to tell them what saves them. You know that time is short. Your intellect tells you that. You know. You understand. And you reason that. And you, and you love people. The reason we go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is to obey, yes, but it also is because we love folks. We don't want them to go to hell. The consciences of, of yourself... And the consciences of those that you speak to, they'll be pricked. If you're a leader, you'll obey. That'll be the will. You'll do the will of the Father. When He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, you'll do it. Because that's what you do. That's what leaders do. They, they do the will of the one that sent them. They obey. And you'll teach others to do the same thing. How's your heart? How's your heart? Are, are there any problems? Look, look, think about your, the intellect. Do you know what to do? Is, that, is, is there a problem there? Is there a problem with telling someone about the gospel? Is there a problem with knowing how to build somebody up? Is there a problem with knowing how to do benevolence and how to help people? Is, is that a problem for you? How about your emotions? Are you just flat? Are you just flat? Hey, leaders will have the emotion, that loving emotion. They'll want to go out and, and help. They'll want to go out and do. They'll want to go out and, and edify. They'll want to go out and, and evangelize. Do you want to? Do you, do you have the emotion that's, that, that you need to, to be a leader? How about, how about the wheel? How about the wheel? Will you go out and make a better place? Will you... Help others and build them up. Will you tell others about Jesus Christ? Will you? How's your conscience? Is there a problem with your heart? Boy, the apostles had a problem. They had a big problem. Let's go back to Mark chapter 6. Let's read of their heart problem. Let's diagnose their heart problem from our context, okay? And then by looking at their heart problem, I want you to look inside your heart and diagnose yourself, okay? Look at verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in the ranks in hundreds and in fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all so that they all ate and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. I wonder, 
did it dawn on them at any point as they went back and got more bread and they brought it to the, the groups of 50 and 100, the 5,000 people, they were going back, the disciples, the apostles were going back, they were getting more bread. Did it ever dawn on them? Did, they ever, did it ever compute in their intelligence, in their heart at all, that everything I need, I get from him? Everything I need, I get from him. 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 Did it ever dawn on them? As the, the bread kept piling up, as the fish kept piling up, everything I need, I get from him. They didn't get it. They didn't get that. How about y'all? Would you have gotten it? If you'd been one of the 5,000 sitting in that grassy field that day and the bread just kept rolling, would you have gotten it? The apostles didn't get it. They They didn't get it. They had a problem. They had a heart problem. Let's read about their heart problem. Notice what happened to their heart. Look at verse 45. Immediately... He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida where he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Verse 48, then he saw them straining at the rowing for the wind was against them. That, that word straining right there, in, in other versions it's called laboring. The word in Greek, it means tortured. They were straining and tortured against that wind. And they could not make any headway. It was a terrible, violent storm. It wasn't just they couldn't make it across. They were tortured. It hurt. And they were afraid. They were very afraid. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And would have passed them by. Verse 49. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. The the original language calls that a phantasma. Where we get our word fantasy from? Phantasma. It was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them. And the wind ceased. And notice, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Notice, verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Look at verse 52 here. I've got it on the screen. Look at it in your, in your, in your Bible. Did you, did you see the heart problem here? Did you diagnose the heart problem of the apostles in the boat, in the storm, with Jesus walking on the water? How would you diagnose their heart problem after what we've just learned? Looking at your, your graph, looking at your, your diagram of the, of the heart that's inside each and every one of us. What was their problem? Notice, let me read it again. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Could it be Intellect. Why? Why would I say intellect? They had a problem in their intellect. Why? Because they didn't understand. 
They didn't understand. That was the problem with their heart. They didn't understand about the five loaves and the two fishes. They didn't understand that everything they needed they got from Jesus Christ. A lot of times we don't understand it either. We have a heart problem. Everything that we need, we get from Jesus. Diagnose your heart right now. Is there a problem there? Is there a problem with the, with the intellect? Is there a problem in the wheel? Is there a problem with your emotions? Is there a problem with your conscience? Has your conscience been pricked? Won't you understand the gospel? Won't you purpose to obey the gospel in your heart because your conscience has been pricked and you want to obey? Come right now as together we stand and sing.